Well, thank you very much. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year, the first day of the year. It's quite a privilege to be here. It's, it's super encouraging to be a member of this church, our family. We've been here for nine months or so. What a beautiful church. God is clearly at work in this church. It's evident. You can see it. You can feel it. Praise the Lord. Hopefully that work will continue <laughs> this morning. Uh, it's, it's definitely an honor to have this opportunity uh, Pastor Ryan asked me a few months ago if, if I'd be willing to preach today, and I asked him, well, what, would the, what would you like the topic to be? And he said, well, something that, incur- that glorifies God. So, well, that, that leaves the door wide open. So I started thinking about that, and I go, well, what's the most inc- glorifying of God's subject that there is? And that's easy the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is absolutely the most most glorifying to God topic in the universe. His Son, our Lord, Christ Jesus, praise the Lord. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the Beloved One. He's the Messiah, the Christ the super king, the anointed one. He's the captain of our faith, the prince of peace. As Jesus himself says, the entire Bible is about him. The Bible is centered from beginning to end on Christ Jesus and his work. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He's the bread of life. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the way and the truth and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. His name is Salvation of Yahweh. He's known as the Lord is our righteousness. He is absolutely the epicenter of all history, space, and time. He is the supreme one over all things. And how is it that we know this? Hopefully you do know this, but how is it one may know this? Well, you may know it through experience. When God in his loving grace takes you over and enters your life and starts to turn you into a new creation and leads you in his ways, you feel the power of God in Christ Jesus. But We also have God's Word, right? The Bible. This is God's Word. Certainly men wrote this, but God directed them to write as He told them to write. The Holy Spirit led men to write this book. 39 letters comprising the Hebrew Scriptures, Old Testament, from Genesis through Malachi. The people of Israel knew this was their book. And then... The New Testament, Matthew through Revelation, 27 books written as God designed. 66 books of the Bible, this is the Bible. And this tells us the truth of God. However, there's a problem in our universe, in our world, and that is darkness, Satan in the world that is working to deceive 
and destroy people from the truth. Yes, making claims that are counter to the truth of God, human traditions, philosophies, theories, ideas, concepts that are contrary to the truth. Even saying, well, you have the Bible, let's add a little bit more to it. And you got to do this now and that now. We have to know the truth. This is nothing different because when the Bible is being written, the New Testament, people like Paul experienced the same thing. They would preach, they would teach, they would write, and sure enough, the false teachers would come in to deceive and try to distract or deny the truth of God to destroy people and their faith. And so as Paul wrote several letters that you know, he wrote a letter called Colossians to the church in Colossae, which at the time was in Asia, about 120, 25 miles east of Ephesus, now in modern-day Turkey. And the people of Colossae were dealing with the same problems that are happening in our world today. The lies and the false philosophies and the false teachings to keep you and me and all others from knowing the truth. It is imperative we know the truth. In fact, Paul wrote this in chapter 2 of Colossians, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Paul, in his love, warns the church. He wrote this letter, as you may know, in approximately 62 AD from a prison in Rome. It is absolutely imperative, my friend, please, that we know the truth of Christ Jesus the Lord. If you do not know the truth and you've been deceived by false teachings in the world, the results are disastrous. It means that you probably have no salvation currently and have no hope. There is hope. There is truth. Christ Jesus, come to him. If, if you are a believer in Christ, but you're deceived by the philosophies and false teachings in the world, but yet you are a believer, the results are difficult as well. It can make you insecure. Your faith will be fragile. You will be focused on the world too much. You will lack fruit in your life and strength in your life. You'll have anxiety and fear that will often come upon you. So it is imperative that we know the truth of Christ Jesus. And in this letter of Colossians, we have the truth. And what you may say, I like to say, is the resume of Christ Jesus that Paul wrote in this early section of Colossians in chapter 1 to encourage the people in Colossae that day and to encourage us today. Let's read the resume of Christ Jesus from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. Paul writes this, He, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, invisible, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning 
the firstborn from among the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you for you. We praise you for your word and your power. And we, we, we ask that you would speak today and you would show us your truth and your glory for our well-being and your honor. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So we've, we've entitled, little creature here, we've entitled this, uh, you listen carefully, we've entitled this, uh, this, this section here as the resume of Christ. So let's think about a resume. What is a resume? A resume is typically a one-page document, right, that, that has a person's identity on it and uh, then talks about maybe their work experience, what they've done in life, and what their current position is. And it's often given to maybe a possible employer or someone for them to evaluate and make a decision. And that's what you do with a resume. Well, let's do that with the resume of Christ Jesus and look at his identity, his work experience, his position, and make some evaluations and decisions as a result. Let's start with the identity of God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, unfortunately, people will say that Jesus Christ was a really good teacher, and he was a really good teacher. He was a good man, right? Nicodemus thought he was a good teacher. Uh, he's, he's far more than that. A philosopher, right? Leader, really good example of love. He's a great example of love, and we just follow his love example. These things are true, but Christ Jesus is far more than a good man, a good teacher, and a prophet, which he was all those things. According to our passage here in verse 15, it says, he is the image of of the invisible God. What does this mean? Does this mean that he kind of looked like God? No, it means far more than that. It means that he is and was in his time on earth the living manifestation of God. As God told Moses, no one could see me in my glory and survive. So God came to us in a form that we could handle. He is the likeness of God, absolutely. Verse 19, God was pleased for all his fullness to dwell in him. This means that Christ Jesus is God and human together. As you know, he is one man. Christ Jesus is one man with two natures. When he came to earth, he was fully God and he's fully man, 100% in one man in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells bodily. Colossians 2.9, verse 17 of our passage. Christ, he is before all things. Meaning what? He's eternal. <laughs> the Son of God pre-exists all things. Only God pre-exists all things. God the Father, God the Son, 
God the Holy Spirit. God the Son is not the Father, nor is He the Holy Spirit. God the Son is God the Son, and He is eternal, and He pre-exists all things. His name is Emmanuel in Hebrew, Emmanuel, which means with us God. That is his name. The prophet Isaiah promised that. The angel told uh, his, his earthly father, Joseph, this will be his name, Emmanuel. In fact, Jesus' good friend, John, writes about Christ. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He is God in human flesh. The, the, no doubt, probably the greatest mystery in, in the history of mankind is that God became a person. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, the, the humanity of, of, of God the Son was formed by the Holy Spirit in the womb of His earthly mother, independent of her influences, and boom, he was born. God, Christ Jesus, is God. Unfortunately, however, there are false theories and false teachings and false religions, some of which claim to be Christian, but they're not. For example, some will say that when in verse 15 in our passage, as we read it here, he is the firstborn of all creation. You see, Jesus is not God. He's not eternal. He's just the firstborn of all creation. And they will assert these not true religions that are not Christian, even though they say this, is that one of two things. He was created in heaven. He's an angelic being. Christ Jesus is not an angelic being. Or going even further south, they will say, well, God and his wife in heaven had their marriage union, and they created the Son of God. And in some instances, they will say he had a brother. His name is Lucifer. Well, look, as you know, hopefully, Jesus Christ is not an angel. He was not created. He has no beginning, and he has no end. Yes, he became a person 2,020 years ago. That is absolutely true. He did not begin, though, at his human birth, as some people think. He exists for all eternity. The word for firstborn that is used, the Greek word is prototokos, which doesn't necessarily mean a chronological order, even though it can be used that way, the first son of a family. It, 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 the, the Bible, Psalm, let's see here, Psalm 89, 27, about David, the king, I will make David my firstborn, says the Lord, the highest kings of the earth. It has to do with rank. It has to do with superiority. That's what it means. The firstborn over all creation means the supreme one over all creation. The superior one. Do not be deceived by anything telling you that Christ Jesus is anything less than God in human flesh. In love, in humility, in grace, with purpose, with sacrifice in mind, God the Son became a human being. And when He was on this planet and still now in glory is 100% God and 100% man. 
How beautiful is that? God is a very loving Savior. Well, let's look at his work experience. We've got some of his identity. Let's look at his work experience, shall we? This is where things get rather interesting, to say the least. Maybe instead of his work experience, we should say his work accomplished. Going back to our passage in verse 16, starting in 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn or supreme one of all creation. For by him, all things were created. Now, what does this mean? Is this true? Is this true? Did God the Son, is he the creator of all things? Well, he is the creator of all things, as the Bible says. Let's take a look at some of the things that our king has created, some small things. Let's look here at some, something we may know up on three. Oh, yeah, there we go. That's our solar system right there. That's where we live. You know, we have the sun, we have Mercury, Venus, there's our planet Earth, third in line, then Mars, and Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. Unfortunately, someone decided to kick Pluto out of the solar system. I don't know why they did that. I would have kept Pluto in the solar system. But nevertheless, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, let's think about, let's think about some of these big yet little things. How about our planet Earth? Planet Earth, it's, it's a large object. It's 25,000 miles in circumference, 25,000 miles. And right now, you may not feel it, but we are spinning on our axis at 1,000 miles an hour. And we are currently traveling in this orbit around the sun, which by its gravity is thrusting us on this annual orbit that is 600 million miles in distance every year right on schedule as we travel through space, our planet, at 67,000 miles per hour. Around the sun, our light and energy source, you wouldn't want to live on Venus, but the earth just at 93 million miles away from the sun is in the perfect position to have life. 1% to 2% variance in the distance mean this planet would be uninhabitable. The sun is huge. I mean, monster. It is 2.7 million miles in diameter. And it's 93 million miles away from the earth. Light, which the sun projects, and <clears throat> is a very interesting entity, light. Does anyone know how fast light travels? 186,000 miles per second. That is, if you, if you go up, that is 670 million miles per hour. You know how long it takes light to go from the sun to your eyeball? Eight and a half minutes. Excellent, excellent. Light can wrap around our earth seven and a half times in one second. It takes light 14 seconds to go around our sun. Are you familiar with the constellation Orion? Beautiful constellation. The easiest one to pick up because of the belt. Well, there it is right there. There's a picture of Orion. You will see Orion in the spring, in the evening, in the southwest sky. I love to look at Orion 
Fascinating. These stars, by the way, are not really next to one another. They're radically different distances apart. But stars don't travel. They just spin on their axis. So he's going to show up every year at the same time. That star at the top left, if you've ever seen that star, you can see that star. The name of that star is Betelgeuse. Betelgeuse is a monster. (laughs) Betelgeuse is huge. That star is 650 light years away. In one year, light travels 6 trillion miles. So a light year is that increment. So 4,000 trillion miles away is that star, and you can see it. That's how big it is. (laughs) The star is, if you fly through the diameter is 700 million miles in diameter. It takes light traveling at 670 million miles per hour, one hour to travel through that star. Four and a half seconds to travel through our sun. Our sun's big. You can put one million planet Earths inside of our sun. Check this out. You can put one billion suns inside of that star, Betelgeuse. And it's only like ranked ninth in size in our galaxy that we know. How about this image? If you've seen this, anyone know what that is? That's the Milky Way galaxy. I took it on my phone. My kids and I, we flew out there, snapped a picture, came back. That, that's impossible. <laughs> that's an artist's rendition of our galaxy. It's, it'd be impossible to get out there and get the image back. The Milky Way, the Milky Way. There are estimated 100 to 200 billion stars inside of the Milky Way. Do you know how long it takes light to travel through the Milky Way galaxy? Which, by the way, is estimated to be one of a trillion galaxies in the universe Well, I'll give you a hint, give you a hint. For light to travel through our solar system, the orbit of Neptune, it takes eight hours. For light to travel through our galaxy to enter one side and go out to the other, it takes 100,000 years. Our, Our solar system, compared to our galaxy, is the equivalent of a Frisbee in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. The nearest galaxy to our galaxy is pretty close. Andromeda, you may have heard of that. It's only 2.5 million light years away. (laughs) There's one trillion galaxies estimated in a huge universe that is 95 billion light years in size and expanding. You see false philosophies and theories And human traditions and ideas contrary to God will tell you that our universe created itself like 13 billion years ago, just out of nothing. Bam! And then a few billion years later, some chemicals got in the water. We got biological life. You see, that's a false theory that doesn't originate from God, originates from Satan. And it's a lie to you because No offense, but you wouldn't even believe it if I told you my watch created itself, let alone our universe. You see, God 
knows all the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is his power. His understanding is beyond measure. The heavens declare the glory of God. The Bible opens with the truth of creation. The first line in the Bible is what? In the beginning, God created, out of nothing, created the heavens and the earth. And by whom specifically? According to our resume passage here. All things were created by him. It is God the Son, according to the Bible, who is the agent of creation of all things. As John himself writes in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 2, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Hebrews chapter 1, long ago at many times in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe or the ages. Verse 10, about the son, God says, you Lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands. God the Son, this is fascinating, is the creator of all things. How? Well, this is supernatural power, but he spoke it. Before he was man, he spoke it. His hands scooped it. Did you know that? Do you know that about Christ Jesus, the Lord, the creator of all things? Our universe is extremely intentionally designed, systematic, and complex. It is not an accident by some Big Bang theory that is not the truth. It is created by the power and the love and the grace and the pleasure and the design of God through His Son. But there's more. Not only did the Son create all things we can see, but according to our passage in verse 16, All things were made by him in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. This means everything you can't see, the invisible, the spiritual world, was created by Christ, by God the Son. Yes, indeed, all angels, all spiritual creatures. He's not one of them. He created them. They worship him. Now, some of those angels, unfortunately, they went sin and followed their master, called Satan now, into the abyss of evil, and they're still here now. But praise the Lord Jesus Christ, he'll deal with them later, all of them, permanently. But not only is he the creator of all things, as the Bible says, he is also the holder of all things as well. (laughs) Verse 17 of our passage, in him all things hold together or consist What does this mean? This means literally, according to the Bible, that we are here and able to live and able to survive and every atom and everything in the universe operates as it should and exists because of the power of the Son of God dictating what it should do. How? I can't tell you how. That's a mystery, but it's true. This is probably why Jesus was able to make a school of fish to swim in a net. Or 
a raging storm just calm down at his command, or a man with leprosy to be healed, or a blind guy to see, or a dead person to be raised from life. He has power over all things, and he holds all things together. Every atom, there's not one atom in this universe out of place. He controls it all in the orbits of our planet and everything. And we don't even have time today to discuss biological life. All the birds and the fishies and the animals and us. Just think about you. Think about the complexity of the human body. When God the Son scooped that dirt out and made the first man Adam, that was not some organic mud evolutionary process that was just initiated. That was a real man made right there with all the DNA and the brain and the nervous system and the heart and the digestive system and everything that you and I have. Is that not amazing? The world wants to tell you that this universe created itself. No, 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 no. God wants you and me to know that God, the Son, created everything that exists. That is infinitely impressive. Is it not? <laughs> no doubt. The supernatural power and sovereignty of God the Son is super impressive, yet perhaps even more impressive than his work in creation is the Son's work of salvation. <laughs> Let's think about that. God the Son According to the plan of God, 2,020 years ago, according to our timing, departed his glory and his privileges in heaven and became a human, literally. And he was born in Bethlehem, and he was mistreated and hated, and no one recognized who he was. Some people did eventually. And he did what no other person has ever been able to do. How impressive is this? He lived a perfect life, 100% perfect, sinless. Our best chance, Adam, blew it after a week. Literally, no one has ever done that. No one has ever lived a perfect, God-pleasing, righteous life. Let me emphasize this, no one. There are some human traditions that are teaching, well, there's a few other folks that did. No, they didn't. There's no one who is righteous. There's no one who was born or conceived without sin other than this one, Christ Jesus. And he lived a perfect life despite the pressure and the anxiety that was moving closer as he knew his destination to be sacrificed on a cross, which he was for our sins. And he rose from the dead just as planned, as he said. For what purpose? To reconcile sinners to God. That is some beautiful work, right, Matthew? I heard you, brother. In fact, here we are in this passage. And God was pleased, verse 19 and 20, for all his fullness to dwell in Christ. And through Christ to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, making peace through the blood of his cross. 
the most powerful, gracious, beautiful work in the history of the universe. On the cross, God treated Jesus as if he lived your life in order that God would treat you as if you lived Jesus' perfect life. That's redemption. That's how people are reconciled to God. Please, my friend, if you're here visiting, you're unsure of these things, do not believe the human traditions that tell you that your salvation is based on your good works or some hybrid combination of what Christ did or partially did and your religious allegiances following that or that he needs to be crucified more times or you need to go speak to some religious leader and tell him your sins and then he'll justify you every time you do that because that's not salvation. Jesus Christ said of his work as he hung on a cross before he breathed his last breath, it is finished, accomplished, to telestai in the Greek, he said. It is finished. It is accomplished. Salvation is 100% guaranteed and secured in the righteous one, the Lord Jesus Christ. He paid it all, all your sins. How did he pay for your sins 2,000 years before you lived? I don't know. God is mysterious, but he did. The same way he paid for David's sins 1,000 years after David lived, he put them on Christ. As the prophet Isaiah said, 700 years before this beautiful work of Christ was done, painful nonetheless, Isaiah 53, 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace with God was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. God made him, Paul writes in Corinthians chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him, Christ Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin, a sin offering for us, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. He is the way and the truth and the life. If you're sitting here and you're not reconciled to God, come to Christ Jesus. He is the way. He is the way in absolutely 100% of everyone he saves will enter the kingdom of heaven. So lastly, let's look at the identity, the work, the position of this great one, the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, in one word, it is supremacy. That is his position. And our resume and our passage makes it clear. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Again, not first one born, but supreme one over creation. Why is he supreme over all creation? Because he made it. (laughs) And if he makes it, it's his creation. So he is supreme over all creation. Whether we like it, want it, voted for it or not, he is absolutely supreme over all creation. Verse 16, all things were made by him and for him. Everything he created was made for him by his father's will. He owns everything. He doesn't just own the cattle on the hill. He owns the entire universe and every star, and he can do with it as he wishes, and he will. 
It's his. That's some supremacy. You know, I know some people, they own a lot of land. <laughs> Christ Jesus owns them, their land, and everything. Praise the Lord. That's how supreme he is. He owns it for his glory and his pleasure. He created the universe for his pleasure, his glory. Not for mine, not for yours. See, there's another human tradition we got to be aware of. Don't think that Christ created this world, this universe, and then saved you for your glory here to make you great again, <laughs> whatever. It's, he, it's to make his name great. He is the glory. God's saving people to glorify the Son. Absolutely. Verse 18, furthermore, he is the head of the body, the church. He is the leader of his people, the church. Pastor Ryan's a really nice guy. He's a great pastor. Love the guy, but he's not the leader of the church. The church is not the leader of the church. And certainly his mother is not the leader of the church, even though she gets a lot of credit. She's not the leader of the church. That's another human tradition and philosophy that's not true. The Pope's not the leader. A pastor's not the leader. Some religious guru. Christ Jesus is the leader of the church. He's the head. And all who are born again in faith in him are spiritually united to him. And he is our nourishment. He is our power an inseverable bond with Christ Jesus the Lord. You don't need to do a religious trick to get back at it. You're permanently in Christ. He's the head. He is the power. Praise the Lord. Christ. Let's just talk about that real quick. His last name, right? Christ. Joseph and Mary Christ. Well, that's not his last name. That's a title. It means Messiah, as you know. It means anointed one or super king. He is the king. He is seated right now on a throne. He's not re-crucified every week. He's on a throne running this universe, controlling it. Like those guys in the back controlling the screen, he's in heaven controlling it all. He is the king. All authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, Jesus says. <laughs> he's the king, the Christ. In verse 18, he is the beginning and the firstborn of the dead so that in everything he might be preeminent. Father's will. First in rank. First place, highest rank. In everything, Christ will be supreme. The supremacy, preeminence, honor, and glory of the Son is God the Father's number one agenda and will for your life. God saves people. Romans 8, 28, 29, 30, read it. In order that Christ would be the firstborn supreme one among many brothers. God the Father gave us Christ not so that we would just have some forgiveness and a one-day ticket to paradise. God gave us Christ so that we would have Christ. He is the treasure, not what he may provide, as some theories and philosophies and human traditions will say. Come and believe in him and come to church, and he will give you a bunch of stuff. He does provide, but the reason he was given is to be our treasure. He's the treasure. 
and God the Father will make him preeminent in your life. I say this in love, but if Christ Jesus is not number one, premier, the ultimate desire, treasure, and want in your life, according to Christ himself, he may not yet be in your life. Because when God takes you over, this one will begin to dominate. Praise the Lord. It is true. God gave us Christ to give us Christ. So lastly, you read a resume, right? And you evaluate and you respond. Well, how should we respond to the greatness and the preeminence and the truth of Christ Jesus, our Lord, the Savior? Well, quickly, obvious, worship. You know, we like to worship him for his crucifixion. Beautiful, amazing. Well, let's just talk about his identity, who he is, what he created, and what he holds together, and the sovereignty he has over all things. Worship him with your life. Worship him. And here's the truth, my friend. I say this in love. You can worship him now, or you will worship him later. Whether you loved him, believed in him, trusted him, and followed him, every single person will worship Christ one day, but not for their salvation. Hopefully you're worshiping now. As Paul says, talking about the incredible sacrifice of God the Son in human flesh, Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11, Therefore, God has highly exalted Christ and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That is the Father's will to make his Son the epicenter and focus of our worship. Please come to him now. What else should we do? Well, we should honor him and pursue his preeminence. Honor him with our lives. Don't believe the lies that tell you that if you're born again, you're still a scumbag and you can't do anything good. That's not true. You've been regenerated, recreated in Christ to follow him and to honor him and serve him with your life for his glory, truly. We use that word loosely, glory, for his worship, praise, and attention. Not mine, his. Not yours, his. And here's one, certainly, all these are for me. We should trust him. <laughs> the king reigns. He controls it all. Everything is in his hands. All time, all space, every atom, every event. There's no accident. All things work according to the purpose and pleasure of his will, the word says. Don't believe what the philosophies and traditions in the human reason and its limitations may conjure up. He controls it all. And lastly, I'll say, what should we do? Well, if you're here today and you're not a true believer in Christ Jesus, well, praise the Lord that you're here. Praise the Lord you exist. <laughs> Go to this supreme one. Go to him. And ask him 
to take your heart and take you over. Because Jesus says before he was crucified, his father, Father, you've given me authority and power over all flesh in order that I may give eternal life to those you've given me. He gives it. Ask Christ, the King, if he would be so merciful to forgive your sins and give you life and wrap your heart around him in faith. Praise the Lord. Happy New Year. Lord God, we've tried our best. You're the best. We praise you. We thank you. Thank you for your word and the power within it. Thank you for this time. Thank you so much, Lord. Amen.